Hey everybody, this is Pierre Quinn and you're listening to episode number 101 of the Leading While Green podcast where my mission is to help you live, learn, and lead with confidence. On this episode, I'm joined by Matt Orley. Matt is a strategic graphic designer. He runs a graphic facilitation service company that focuses on bringing the best out of conversations. Now, if you've ever been on Instagram and you've seen people uh, draw sketches of a meeting or, or a conference or a presentation of condensing down everything that took place in that presentation onto one sheet. Yeah, that's what Matt does. He does exactly that full time. This is his job and taking complicated concepts and bringing them all together using visual art to paint a picture and to tell a story. He loves markers and pens, and he loves helping people understand big ideas. So before we jump into the conversation with Matt Orley, I just want to thank you for supporting the Leading Wild Green podcast. If you haven't, jump back to episode 100. In episode 100, I share why I've been away from the podcast for a bit, what it means for me to be back, a major shift that occurred in my personal and professional life. The title of the episode is I Quit, and I really want to encourage you to listen to that episode. Also want to encourage you to check out the Find Your Courage tour. I wrote a book recently called Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. And I'm on a book signing leadership workshop motivational tour of sorts called the Courage Tour. And you can check that out at prcquin.com slash courage tour. And I'll be going to a handful of cities across the country, sharing more about my book, my courage journey and giving leaders from all walks of life strategies on how to find their courage and how to live with confidence. Now, upcoming, the next stop on the tour is December 9th in the Baltimore area. And we got an early bird ticket special for that. It's only twenty five dollars. Now, seating is limited. I like to do small, intimate events uh, to really get close and really dive deep. So seating seating is limited and and this event is going to sell out. So if you're in the DMV area, Monday, December 9th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., it's a morning session. If you got some professional development day, if you're a student and you're trying to get some extra credit and they tell you if you can if you attend an event, they'll give you some extra credit for it. This, this is perfect for that. We're going to talk about courage and leadership and fears and overcoming adversity and really how to how to practically walk walk this courage walk to becoming a better leader in all in all walks of life. So I want to encourage you to check out the courage tour, prcquin.com slash courage tour. Everybody who attends the Find Your Courage tour gets a free signed copy of my book, Leading While Scared, How to Find the Courage to Keep Going. We had the first tour stop in D.C. and it was it was great. We had such such a great time. And I want you to, to be a part of this tour when it's coming to a city near you. So prcquin.com slash courage tour to check that out. OK, conversation with Matt Orley. Matt focuses on listening, paying attention to aha moments, and he has a swift talent for marker illustration to tell stories and present holistic views of discussions that event attendees value. Matt has worked with large industrial trade shows, Fortune 500 companies, community roundtables, teacher conferences, and he also offers business drawing workshops 
to improve visual communication in the conference room. Now, Matt is an electrical engineer by training and education. He calls himself an artist by choice, a salesman by necessity, and a strategist by skill and experience. We have a great conversation today. We talk about the power of letting people know what you do. We talk about how you really need to hold on and be intentional when life pivots and you have to make a change. And we talked about the value that he gets from helping people see big ideas on paper. Here's my conversation with Matt Orley. Episode of the Leading Well Green podcast by Matt Orley. Matt describes himself as an electrical engineer by education, an artist by choice, a salesman by necessity, and a strategist by skill and experience. Matt, thanks for being my guest today. I'm happy to be here, Pierre. So, so Matt, take us back. Why, why did you pursue engineering in, in college? Well, you know, in high school, I was always the, 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 the brainy kid in the class and moving forward with math and science classes. And it seemed at that time, going into uh, to college, getting in my first classes, if I had to pick a major, what would I do? And it seemed to be the track to, to go with. Uh, the, um, the effort in making that decision, it just seemed like it was the, it was the right thing to do. Uh, maybe I had blinds on in the early uh, part of the, the decision to see where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. And without real-world experience, uh, sometimes you don't always make that perfect choice. Uh, but I did well in, uh, in school for engineering. I'm an electrical engineer, as you mentioned. And uh, it came fairly easily for me. I mean, there's a lot of homework, a lot of math, uh, but I got through it. And um, I have that degree sitting in the background that I use on, well, on, on occasion, on occasion when it's necessary. So uh, that decision was a just it, it just uh, seemed like the right way to go. Uh, the my after school, I went into uh, work for a small uh, handheld computer company, and it was it was very small. My first projects were working on cow counters using RFID technology for for gauchos in Argentina. So that was a very unique project, and I know uh, some of those cow counters ended up counting penguins somewhere in the Antarctic or coming off of New Zealand. I shipped something to New Zealand. I don't know how far it got. So, uh, so there, there was a, uh, lots of nitty gritty machine code and engineering, lots of the, uh, you know, designing with resistors and, and, and circuits and capacitors and hanging out integrated circuits, all of those nitty gritty details that were involved. Um, uh, but in that small company, I worked for a man that invented uh, the the barcode scanner that we know today, the Telson was a was a company that I, the owner of the place I worked for was there. He uh, he put the stick, he put the handle on the gun of the barcode scanner that you see at Walmart or what have you. So that was that was the guy I worked for. So he was really an entrepreneurial uh, spirit, and he had a lot of patent. Uh, he had a lot of patents, but he also had the wherewithal to knowing how to create that, and the wherewithal to knowing how to find money to continue the effort in different projects. So I ended up not just being an engineer, but being right along with them to, you know, dealing with investors that were coming into the company, looking on investing into different patents, patents and, and projects and such. So I had a, a great view of the financial world uh, for small startups right off the bat. So it was a, a great experience and it kind of opened my eyes in terms of what options that were out there. So, so being in that workspace, what, what were some of the things about being a professional and about work life 
that maybe you didn't get when you were in, in, in college studying engineering, electrical engineering, that that first work experience really clarified and underscored for you and really you've carried with with you throughout the rest of your professional career? The, uh, the experience, I would say, give me a second here. The office that I worked for was a small company. So it was an entrepreneurially talked about it being a 10 year old startup, which was it's kind of a silly description, <laughs> but, but it, it, uh, there was a lot of similarities from school. It was a, a small group, young group. So there wasn't a lot of uh, elder leadership in the group. So that was lacking. So we were able to create our own culture, really, without a lot of the, uh, the uh, upward uh, or downward facing uh, direction and culture building to concepts, I suppose. So it was a, uh, it was a fun time. It was a wild time. It was creating things that no, no one had done before. We were on the cutting edge of building a, we had a, it was around the Palm Pilot time frame. if you remember those from our uh, early days, the digital transformation that's out there. And we're all, I love that, uh, the scribbling on those, on those Palm Pilots. And I, uh, we all had them and we were building, you know, similar devices that created uh, electronics from there. But, um, the, the, the culture was really self-built and really created based on that college part. So I don't know if that was a, uh, a lot of uh, input, but what I saw from the other side, not just the, the business, but uh, experience in talking with investors and dealing with explaining technology. Mm-hmm. One of the, the greatest experiences I had was explaining technology that we were building to men that were not technologists, were not in it, you know, I suppose late nineties, I suppose no one was really had any idea what was going on. I mean, we were lucky if they turned on their PC and got it to work. So it was a, a unique experience explaining technology to uh, those that didn't understand it. And I think that was the experience that I really loved and enjoyed the most in my, uh, my, my first, first job out of school. Um, and I think that was the, the best carry on carry away from that experience. I started, I started college in 99 and I think, if I remember correctly, I had a M100. I think it was a Palm M100. <laughs> um, and there were some, like, everybody on campus had one, and it had a stylus and, this, and the flip-up screen. And I remember that just being, like, all the rage and everyone asking if, if you were going to buy this, this Palm Pilot. And it's, it's amazing to see just how much technology has changed in that, in that span of time. How, how have... How have you viewed this seemingly uh, wild roller coaster of transformation and digital change through through the lens of your career? Sure, it's um, my career started technology heavy, but it's, it's slowly and slowly moved away from that. I uh, I see digital transformation as a lot of value to a lot of people. I work for uh, uh, with clients that are in the Internet of Things space. So uh, some that are involved with Industry 4.0 and how is that going to be changing the the manufacturing floors of America? So there's a lot of good things that are that are out there and changing and getting to peak efficiencies for a lot of new opportunities and making things work better uh, for people. You know the. Social media is good and bad, right? I mean, there's some values. You, I know you're a father too. I've seen on your your listing. So I'm I'm a father with kids that are all constantly on devices and screens, and I'm not a fan of that. I'm always trying to uh, to work against it. So hmm. there's pluses and minuses with this digital transformation that that we're all under. So 
Uh, I know there's a country song. I'm, I'm not always listening to country, but when did everything turn all automatic? That, that's mm. the that's the song, and it's it's. <laughs> I see some value in that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Through my, so my career has kind of slowly been moving away from technology a little bit, just to get down to dealing with people and dealing with interacting with people. Because when you put screens up and you're in a conference room or in a meeting, everyone's staring at what they're 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 uh, working on and yeah. not necessarily interacting. And you know when you're there's when there's a lot you know this when there's a lack of communication there's a whole big lack of, of understanding and being able to come together and work together so collaboration is key and not just texts and and images and such that are uh, putting things together so you're really getting down to communicate is I think hugely important I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you have my dream job but it's <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it looks it, it looks really it looks really cool from the outside looking in so 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 tell us how you made the journey you're you 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 categorize yourself as a strategic graphic facilitator and much of your life now is in the analog space with markers and whiteboards and colors and listening how, how did you make that journey space and, and what's it all crazy? about Sure. Uh, let me give you give me a couple steps before that. So, electrical engineering. Uh, after nine eleven, company kind of uh, went went out of business, and I had to shift into a new direction. Where am I going to go? So, around the corner from that business was a large corporate entity. Uh, Omnova Solutions created wall covering and wall graphics and chemicals and all sorts of stuff, and it was an interesting shaped building. I thought, well, I wonder what I could do there. <laughs> so, I answered, <laughs> I answered a call for a a job ad to to uh, be part of their new digital wall covering group. So for a number of years, I was creating wall murals and wall graphics for hotels, um, it, inside places, um, fitness centers, schools, and I've, I've continued to do that a little bit over the course of my entire career um, to this day. So I was creating in Photoshop and working in Photoshop, creating graphics. And that was kind of a dream job for the engineer that was very analytical and dealing with things to being able to say, wow, that green is the wrong shade. And knowing what that means, like there's too much, if, if you could look at something and say there's too much red or cyan or, or, or uh, yeah. yellow in that green, that was a fun experience for an engineer. Using a different set of, of skills and senses and using your other side of the brain, of your brain. I got that job, I think, just because I could do the math of being able to count how many dots per inch and do the multiplication of inches. To, okay. so that was a weird connection, but it, it yeah. worked for me. And I was able to learn a whole new world of interior design. And that was um, moving forward, you know, you, you switch careers and do something else. I went into sales for an, an industrial company, uh, and I got to see a lot of manufacturing floors. So whether it was someone making tires, making windshield wipers, or uh, a rubber band factory in uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and that's the coolest thing to be able to see. How does how do you make rubber bands? I hadn't done that before, so it was fun. But how does that change into graphic recording, graphic facilitating? Um, through another transition, I answered a, a small ad to be able a graphic. It, it wasn't even called this at the time. 2008, 2009, there was an ATM company uh, here in North Canton, Ohio, um, Diebold. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's fairly large. I know they were acquired within the last several years. But it's a. I worked with a facilitation company as their artist for uh, innovation meeting. So I sat in to learn about all of the at that time, the digital transformation of 2009 was uniquely different than what it is today. And I got to sit in and draw for over the course of two days, different concepts relating to 
really my digital experience of knowing how things work and placing that into the, the money and financial sphere. So it was fun. And uh, I ended that conversation, that, those two days, with one of the VPs of something or other. He said, you know, I had no idea what the heck you guys were talking about until he drew it for me. Hmm. You know, and that message, wow. and I, I got that on my website where I put out there that that really resonated with me. And it stuck with me for a good part of a decade now. So taking that message and moving forward to creating graphic facilitation uh, projects, what I do, like you said, markers and paper and all that, I take regular uh, writable media, whether it's a big foam core board or large paper, bring it into a meeting, a session, a conference group or a workshop. And I, during the course of the meeting in a live fashion, I draw out what is heard and what is being said by the group or by the individual. So most of what I do is intense listening, trying to translate that listening into ideas and concepts, and then putting it onto the board. Um, so going from electrical engineering to drawing quick hand on, with markers is a complete different. So I, I'll honestly say I am not the best artist, but I think I listen very well, and having that technical background helps me out when I need to explain something that's in that arena. I, uh, I did a uh, one example of a project I did. I spent a day at the Wire Show, okay, Interwire. It's a you know, it's a manufacturing expo, and I listened into a number of different panels and such. And it was nice to be able to bring forward what I already know to mm -hmm. create something that everyone appreciated. So while drawing the price of uh, aluminum for an hour, you know, as it goes <laughs> up and down across the globe, is very difficult. Uh, I had a good time. So it, it is a dream job. I mean. You look at my parents, you know, they're, they sent me to school for engineering, and now I draw with crayons and markers on big paper. They think it's hysterical, but I bring a lot of value to people. And when they, when they really say, I didn't understand what they were talking about, and they're coming around taking photos and such just to have a memorable piece mm -hmm. of the holistic view of what was said, that's really gratifying because I connected somebody to the message that was being presented in a different way that may, they may not have been connected unless they actually saw it put together. So I enjoy what I do. So thank you for asking. I, I remember speaking at a conference, uh, education conference, not too long ago. And one of the attendees at the end of my presentation had done essentially that. She had drawn out what she had heard and what she experienced uh, during during our session together. And I, and I took a picture of it. I put it on Instagram. It was just this amazing <laughs> thing. It was some librarian. I can't remember where she was from. But I remember thinking to myself, wow, it would be awesome to have that as a regular part of, of when I speak or when I travel or be able to offer that option. Um, my question for you is, how do you communicate the value of what you do in that moment? especially when people ask, they solicit for your services and you give them what your particular price point is. And depending on how they respond to that price point, you know, how do you combat maybe some people saying, um, well, all you're going to be doing is drawing. Why, why does it cost X amount or why does it take so much? How do you communicate the value of what you do to organizations? Uh, uh, sh sure. I'll, I'll start with a story that, uh, my father and a family friend that I grew up around, uh, dealt with. He was a cabinet maker. Okay. And, um, he had uh, different projects. Someone would ask the exact same question. How, it's just wood. It's just mm -hmm. wood and putting it together. Uh, why does it cost, you know, $3,000 to build these four cabinets or whatever that, that price was at the time. And, uh, the answer was, yeah, it'll take me three hours. 
plus the 20 years of experience that, that goes into that. So that is the value that you bring. My eclectic, you know, I, I consider myself kind of a multi, someone labeled me as a multi-potentialite, I think that's the right <laughs> phrase, being able to do different things and uh, not necessarily getting bored of one and moving to the next, but this whole, my whole career has really added up to being able to be a great listener and being able to communicate and create things that are correct. I am... Uh, some of my work is in, in marketing, so a lot of consolidating of a message. So listening through someone rabble on for 10 minutes about a particular topic and what is the essence of what they're talking about. So, you know, finding those four words that's, mm-hmm. that gather everything together, it's it's a summarization like that, uh, the, the librarian that you saw at that education conference. That's what she's doing. She's creating and, and grabbing all that information and consolidating as best she can for her, but my job is to create it, make it visually appealing, and create it for that next uh, for for everyone that's out there. It's um so it's it's hard to to enunciate that, but when people see it, like you're talking about, you saw that at a, at a particular event, they mm-hmm. get it, they understand that this is valuable to my attendees. And whether it's a, a room full of engineers at a wire show or an educational conference, which I've done several of those, or a law firm, I was in your neck of the woods in DC a few weeks ago doing a, a, a session for some educational group inside of the law firm. And they respond to that so well. I mean, because it gives meaning to what you're, you're to that meeting and it's a takeaway and it's not just a linear view of a conversation, just like this podcast. It's a linear view of what I've been talking about mm-hmm. over the course of you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes that we're going to be talking. The, um, but taking that and being able to picture that as a complete set is, is where a lot of the value is. Um, sometimes it's not just one drawing, but it's over the several over the course of the day. So a lot of, a lot of images get stacked up and being able to go through a walk to see, wow, this is, this is what the event was. This was my conference. This was all that was incorporated with that. And, uh, so if someone was in a meeting or didn't get to go to a particular meeting or, or saw something else, they'll be able to capture and understand what all that is. So it's a, it's a, it's a great social media tool as well. That's another part of what I talk about just because you can take that and share that graphic recording or that sketch note. Um, some people do this on a small scale too. Some people do it digitally, like a digital scribe on a large screen, bringing in a computer, bringing in a large tablet and drawing um, uh, on a large screen for, for everyone to see as well. So there's a lot of different ways that this can work. And um, it's a, it, it's unique. And I, I, well, like you said, it's a dream job. I enjoy it. So in engineering your own career, which I guess I suppose I have, this is the way that I want it to be. And Going back from making that decision to go to school for electrical engineering, like I talked about, and making the switch now, it's like, this is what I want it to be. Because I, I remember in, you know, back early days of computers when you're, you know, my mom and dad bought that first computer for me and I'm playing on base, on visual, ba- or not visual, whatever, the Coleco version of basic was and mm-hmm. putting blocks on the, on the TV that was in the family room to create something. I was doing graphics and drawing then. I think I, sh- I wish I would have put that together to understand what I do now and maybe shortcut some of that other things. But again, engineering was absolutely required for me to be able to do what I do in my world. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm appreciative of my career in that direction. So you never know what that experience is or when you're letting someone grow and go in a different direction. I know you talk about leaders and such and, and being able to, to draft people in different directions. When you see an opportunity for someone to do what they love, really try to encourage that and you never know what's going to come out of it and it might not be something right away but over the course of time um you might get someone who who likes to draw with markers or something. <laughs> you never know you never know 
So I hope that that answers that question for you. It it does. Talk talk to me about about what's needed to be able to pivot successfully. So you talk about uh, the business opportunity where you were working and that after 9-11 kind of drawing up and having to find just different avenues of work and then different avenues of reinventing yourself. What does a person have to embrace, especially an individual who is competent, who's doing a good job, hasn't done anything wrong, but the market shifts, so the opportunities change and you have to reinvent yourself. What, What do you have to embrace about life to be able to do that? Well, I think I've echoed some of your previous podcast uh, interviewers, uh, being able to constantly educate yourself on what's new and what's coming and what's out there. Uh, making that switch from electrical engineering to a wall mural designer, uh, there was a giant, thick 400-page Photoshop book that was in the middle of that mm. just to, to, to learn what what's new. How do I embrace this new new concept, new skill, and move forward with? And, and today, I it's said that in the learning scheme, you need to invest just to keep up with the world and your world. You need to invest one hour every day just to stay current with what's out there. And certainly in technology, I'm sure that hour, that number is three hmm. other industries it might be a little bit smaller, but if you're looking to make a transition and change, you've got to keep up and you've got to educate yourself and you've got to read the articles or listen to the podcast and see what's new. And sometimes this is diving into a, a new technology or a new technique or spending time, you know, reaching out and saying, you know what, I'm going to make that switch and use markers and create new things. And I haven't, I haven't used, I haven't drawn for years, but I'm going to try and see what happens. So it's practice, it's learning, it's investing in yourself. And that's what I think is the, the biggest thing to be able to make switches and of the two or three that I've made in my career. You, you indicated that you feel like you might not be the best artist, uh, but there is something about what you do and how you do it. And I know you talked about the listening component of it all that makes you successful in the marketplace in a space where you can go on social media and find incredible artists around the world, but you've carved out a niche and you've been incredibly successful. Speak to this idea of, uh, not necessarily having to be a quote unquote the best um, in order to be successful. Sure. Uh, there's a gentleman in the in this space. Uh, he talks about sketch noting. He invented the, the concept microdi. He mm-hmm. uh, one of his ma- you've you've seen his book. Okay, I, I, I hear you nodding here. The uh, his his concept his tagline is ideas, not art. So you can watch any set of graphic recorder trying to introduce people and say, start drawing, try to start communicating visually. And it's just getting over that hump of fear of, of the, the difference between what you're creating as art and what you're creating as a, as a component of communication. Uh, one of the articles I put on my blog recently talked about drawing as a learning uh, tool. So you talked about the teacher doing a sketch note or a graphic recording. And education really embraces drawing as a mode of learning just because it's you know getting the word into your head. That's, that's step one. But then getting the word into your head, translating that, that word or that concept into a uh, something that can be drawn, and then going through the effort of creating the signals, to, the, the motor signals to your fingers and being able to create that whirling, uh, outward onto a piece of paper or a tablet, that like triple whammy of interaction with your brain is a huge educational part. With that said, uh, it's, it's really all ideas and not art for me. And like listening is a huge, important part of it. 
Um, I do come from, as, as odd it is, I come from a fairly artsy family. Hmm. Uh, I, I have an uncle who, who creates Christmas ornaments and runs a, a, an, an awesome uh, Christmas museum. He creates fantastic experiences for people. Uh, around the holidays and every other time. My mother is a painter. I've got all sorts of background that I've seen that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I, my mother laughed at the sculpture I had in fourth grade of what was supposed to be a giraffe, and she thought it was a vacuum cleaner. So I'm not <laughs> – I, I, was, I, was, I think I was shut down a little bit about that. Don't oh, tell my mom that if she ever listens because then she'll feel bad. But um, – you get you stuck into like I can't draw throughout high school because you see other great amazing things, but you got to say you know what I'm going to try and I'm going to do it and I'm going to create what I'm hearing and put it out there and say this is what it is because you know being able to communicate that idea is the huge value. I mean that that uncle I'm talking about I wouldn't trust him necessarily to come into a, a conference that's talking about whatever to create something amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he could make something look amazingly better. However, what I'm doing is is capturing that essence, and as I grow and become a bigger and better graphic recorder, my skills and my style is really is really coming into form, and I'm enjoying that. So, but you know, it is a niche. It is a, a niche of communication, and ah, the the ah, the eureka moment of understanding a concept, and whether it's from that initial point of explaining technology or RFID tools or what was Wi-Fi in the very beginning to um, executives looking to invest? That was a, you know, a great skill that I'm, I'm appreciative of having developed over years. So uh, ideas, not art. Hmm. Now you could be very competent and very effective at what you do, mm-hmm. but if no one knows about it, nothing, nothing really is going to change. So how did you have to embrace the principle of, you have to sell this idea to people. You have to sell yourself and your value, and you have to consistently put that in front of people in, in order for you to not, not just make money, but pursue your, your current passion. How did you get over that, even if you had it or not? The, some people are saying, well, I'm shy, or I don't want to brag, or I don't want to put myself out there. But if you don't communicate what you're doing, essentially, you don't, you don't eat. So, so how did you deal with that aspect? <laughs> Yeah, we, we like to eat around here um, <laughs> as well. Uh, big fans, huge fans. I get. I've had the opportunity to run kind of a, a marketing and, and web business over the past decade, so I've had the experience of working uh, for myself and creating something. Uh, so making adding another feature onto what I've been doing and doing graphic recording over the past few years has been just an extension of that. So I understand that you've 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 got to get out there, and, and I'm throwing up again. I've, I talk myself down, I know, and that's probably a negative thing to do about ideas, not art. But I'm okay with taking what my concepts are and throwing it out there and say, this is what I created for such and such a session. Hmm. Um, and, and and putting it out there, what do you think? And uh, from some of the other things, that, some of the con- the workshops that I've done with folks where they're drawing too, I'm like, I'm okay. I'm, I'm pretty good with getting it out there. So, so putting it out there, social media has been a wonderful place, whether it's Instagram or, or LinkedIn, and telling that story, uh, reaching back into a, a couple decades worth of contacts, uh, being able to bring forward uh, different, different uh, customers uh, that I wouldn't have thought would have been a customer, but, you know, strategic vision session at at Sherwin-Williams talking about, you know, their latest chemicals and, and additives and such, and being able to communicate that, you know, translating from a 40-page PowerPoint to a two-minute to a 
two-board graphic was a, a, a wonderful thing. So that's a, an opportunity. Some folks do know about graphic recording, and I like to, I feed into that, whether it's a, a professional organization that I am part of, as well as connecting to others in my area or across the globe that, that do similar work. Um, again, my niche is different, that I do sometimes more technical pieces. Uh, a lot of graphic recorders, a lot of people come, this is a weird world. There's no certification. There's no education <laughs> that you can get to do this. Some people come from the fine art side, which is awesome. I know I come from uh, geeky engineering, which is totally obscure. Others are accountants that they work in this. Others are educational trainers. And then there's teachers too. So I wonder everyone comes into graphic recording from different angles. So um, being able to leverage that and talk to others that are trying to draw as well for a living and and connecting there. And there's opportunities really uh, with who you know and what you're connecting to. So um, so existing contacts, working on social media, certainly, putting out articles that are relevant, that are just helpful for folks, as you know, uh, talking about your emerging leaders and such, as well as um, just networking and saying, hey, look, this is what I'm doing now. Are you interested? Can I help you out? Can I make this conversation work uh, for, your, for your project? Sometimes if I'm making a cold call or introducing myself for the first time to someone, I'll just sit down and I'll draw out something crazy that that's relevant to what they're doing or that person's name and shoot them a picture like this is what I do and then showing the markers or my hands in the picture and then it's like oh he draws for a living I get it now so and that's fun or I'll take a, an image that's associated with something and I'll superimpose it onto a, a whiteboard that someone might have in a conference room to say hey I can be here I can do these kind of concepts so showing what I do is very valuable to folks as well as connecting to every which way of uh, contact that you have. So um, entrepreneurship is, is can be a struggle when you're working on your own, but I've really enjoyed and embraced it because it's, it's fun and you're not, re I'm not reliant on other folks besides that, that customer for a short period of time. So I can <laughs> jump around to the, to the next, to the next opportunity. And I love being off on my own and creating new things. You mentioned workshops where you're where you're helping other people draw. Yeah. What is it like? Walk us through an ex experience. It's one thing to be in a space where you're listening and you're trying to translate that visually. I'd imagine it's another when you're trying to teach others that that particular skill. So, what's that experience been like? It's a completely different experience for me, uh, teaching and, and educating folks on what are the what are some skills that you can do to to make this happen. Uh, a lot of it is going through practices and and giving opportunities for people to listen and and, and put things outward. So some of it's downtime for me, whether I'm talking about a, a concept and having them draw what I'm saying. Uh, but I put out a lot of just stupid, simple uh, tips for people of what color, don't use every color in the marker pack that you have, just pick three. I mean, that's that color theory from the wall covering groups that I'm dealing with. You know, it's just, don't try to be everything, don't use the rainbow, just pick that gold and green and black and make it look authentic. Uh, picking out different ways to, to write your script, write your words. Nobody writes anymore. I know my handwriting has fallen off the edge of the cliff before I rekindled my, my love of, of drawing. And I know a lot of other people do, too. So putting together big caps, small caps, script, bubble letters, block letters, all of those, giving those options for people to say, hey, these are, these are opportunities. Understanding what line is, what shapes are, what, shadow, what shadows do for you. Taking that light gray marker and putting it behind the circle, making it pop out of the, out of the board, out of the paper 
those are little tiny tips that really help out and knowing what not to draw. Sometimes people can go uh, ramble off about something and there's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to draw whatsoever. So sometimes it's just waiting and sometimes it's like everything comes all at once and you've got that speaker that's lively and he's off on a, a rant and talking about something amazing and you're absorbing it all and you can't hold it all in your head because he's all in step three of that whole process. So it's <laughs> taking the best part of what you have and something for a, uh, a workshop session, I'll take a, a YouTube video of something that's too much to absorb and I'll just throw it out there and it's, it's a 10 minute video, but probably would take if I was doing it myself, at least 30 minutes or an hour to create something. But I force people to not listen to everything and pick what they find is important. So workshops are, are fun. It reconnects people. It's a, it's a growing session. It's a uh, community session really to really collaborate and work together to create something new. And the, the workshops that I do, I try to put them either towards just raw graphic recording for meetings, how to have better meetings, how to uh, introduce using whiteboard more for sales as opposed to that awful PowerPoint, as well as a couple other methods too, of just increasing creativity in employees and not just dealing with what you have. So it's, it's fun to tailor it for every individual client that I have in terms of a workshop. But um, I force people to draw, and it's fun. Sometimes it's crazy and it doesn't make sense. And I know the city folk from the country folk or whatever, but it's a, it's, a, it's a fun experience to see what comes out of what people can draw and how they can communicate their ideas. What were the other names that you had for your business before you got to Big Paper Strategy? Or was that just what you settled on? Um, right That's what I settled on. I, uh, my wife and I, um, uh, we have our business. She's a blogger. She does a lot of that. We are a remarkable team. So we do some gra some graphic work and, uh, like I mentioned, some website work. And she's a, an awesome writer with 6,000 articles sitting on her blog. I don't know how she can do it, but it's amazing. Uh, so that's what that's the one. But big paper strategy. I was really that was a I was tossing around, seeing what others do. Uh, it's got to be visual, and it's got to say what you're you're you're, um, you're getting to. So the strategy component was important because that's the kind of clients that I was looking for to mm -hmm. make sure that I was in that space to be able to make sure that the type of communication that I'm dealing with, not just you know uh, uh, necessarily community engagement groups where it's public and they're talking about touchy feely type stuff. I really wanted to get into the, the corporate world um, to set myself in that direction. But big paper, I mean, that's what it is. It's a giant board or it's a giant piece of paper, and that's what we're putting it on. So, I being that the part of my effort is educating people on what I do. Like you said, you, you don't necessarily see this all the time. You can't label it. Uh, other people call themselves visual scribes or uh, graphic facilitators, graphic recorders, a lot of different names. But I'm like, well, let me just say what it is. Big paper. You got to do something with the paper, probably draw on it, and then match that with strategy. So I spent a, a number of hours going through different words and combining things into different ways. I'm a little upset, though. Big paper strategy doesn't fit on its um, the whole Twitter uh, <laughs> username list because there's one too many characters. I didn't think about that. But besides that, big paper strat goes in that direction. But again, mostly I play on LinkedIn and Instagram just because that's the, that's the clients I'm searching for. And for me, it's about pictures, right? So those are my angles that I go with. 
You, you, you shared a, an experience before of, of being in a place where someone said to you, I had no idea what they were talking about until you drew it. Can, can you share with us an, another story before we run out of time of how at the end of the day, you walked away saying this particular experience, this is why I do this. And you were refreshed. You were revived. The client was happy. It was a great experience. And you were just ready to get back at it and go again. Sure, sure. Uh, I was doing a corporate project where I was uh, communicating a strategic vision uh, based on a, a, a known set of directions that I had from the my sponsor and, and the organization. And uh, the first part, the, the first interesting thing that happened in this offsite meeting was their projector broke. So they didn't have a projector. So I was, uh, besides printouts, tiny screens, and a little tiny low-power projector that someone ran and got from their home, I was the visual king of the room because I was transcribing what I had already known, what I had already absorbed, and was recreating on um, 100, 120 inches wide of, of, uh, of foam porn paper. The, uh, the experience was wonderful. I was able to recreate things and I was getting input through the whole time of, of what was happening at, at, like you said at the end of that experience what happened um, this was a technical group and very not not human oriented what it was but this is a little bit of culture development in terms of what they were doing and I had drawn a large person on the board with a heart on them and that heart was really representative of, of what what their value was for the company. And uh, my sponsor at the time, the leader of the, of the group said, I would like everyone to come up to the board and circle or draw what they write their name next to what the, what most communicated to them. That was a value. And it was really amazing seeing ner- seeing engineers and technicians and, and such come up and put their names next to the hearts of the character. Cause I had drawn all sorts of stuff, technical and, uh, and components of who's doing what, what group is merging into what all of this, but they went to the heart and that was a, a big portion of that group. And that really struck with me like, wow, this is what people are about. They're about connecting with each other. And that's what, you know, as, as much as the technology has played in my life and, and getting there, having that meaning of, of, of connecting that way was really wonderful. And I was, I was so heartened, but well, so heartened, I suppose, from that experience. Uh, it, it really solidified what I want to do. And, um, I, I, and in that direction, I've enjoyed it. So I try to add a, a human component to everything that I do, uh, even if it's technology related to say, that's what we're pointing for. Because I mean, as much as technology and the digital transformations and all that, I mean, I worry that our culture is necessarily being more bifurcated and broken out into left party, right party. But I get to sit in the middle and, and join people in the in the middle. And when they're really connecting and they're not just ranting on on social media about who does this or who does that, but connecting and listening to each other, listening to each other has been a, a wonderful experience from from my point of view. So I get to listen and I get to communicate that and put that together. Um, I do have a project coming up based on uh, redistricting lines uh, within different states. So uh, there's a there's a red side of the room and a blue side of the room. So I'm excited to be the balm in that room to make it uh, a little bit better and just just to be personal about it. So uh, the, it's it's not about what side you are. It's it's just listening and trying to understand what other people are doing. So and that's where I've enjoyed my career. Speaking of sides, I almost when I when I read your bio. I- almost didn't reach out to you for this interview because you live in Ohio and I'm from Michigan. 
and the whole <laughs> that's true. That's true. There's a little rivalry there. I know. I know. I did a, a great show in Detroit for an education conference. Uh, so I enjoy Michigan too. I'm not against it. Uh, you're good people too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have an Ohio. And you, you know, our listeners can't see, but you have on Ohio State colors for this. And, I, I mean, do. I didn't even uh, mean that. Yeah. No. <laughs> But but I, I'm not yeah. But but I'm, I'm glad not a big sports fan. But you know I yeah. So it, I won't hold blue and gold colors or whatever whatever your school is of choice. <laughs> the, the 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 maize and blue one, not not the other school. The okay okay yeah, the other school. <laughs> so so tell us how how can we how can we keep up with you if we want to know more about your work and and your offerings where. Oh, what what are the URLs? Where are the social handles? How how can we how can we get in contact? Sure, the best place to start the website bigpaperstrategy.com. Uh, all one word, no dots, no dashes. Again, bigpaperstrategy.com. I play fairly regularly on on LinkedIn, as I know you do, Pierre, and I put out articles in that way. You can find Matt Orley O R L E Y on LinkedIn, but there's a link from my website uh, already mentioned. So. Hit me up there and connect with me on on LinkedIn. I love to share what I'm doing, uh, creating new projects. When it's not uh, under NDA, I certainly love to share what I'm doing uh, when it's public and, and out there. So you can see some of the things I've done. Uh, my website has a portfolio of some of the drawings that are available. So uh, not available, but just things that I've done and worked through. Um, and things are always changing. I'm considering doing some art for a, for a, a different podcast. I was asked to, to do some like promo work, like. I don't know how I would draw. I would talk about myself with you, but uh, maybe like a, a minute version or uh, even college buddies, you know, those engineering buddies are asking me to do some, some scribble work to make it look like a, um, you know, blackboard type drawing. So it's fun. Again, Matt and I'm at bigpaperstrategy.com. Look me up. We'll make sure to put those links in the show notes so people can click and get right to where you are and hopefully contact you about about your work. Uh, really appreciate our conversation today about your life and about your journey. And I want to thank you for being my guest today. I was so thrilled to be here. Thank you, Pierre. Great conversation with Matt Orley from Big Paper Strategy. I really love that chat. And even though Matt is from Ohio, I, I still think he's a pretty good guy. Check him out. Check out his work at bigpaperstrategy.com. Uh, follow him on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. And we put all of that in the show notes so you can learn more about Matt and his work. Hey, that's all I got for this episode. So until next time, take care and God bless. <laughs>